Let's stop shaming ourselves for feeling sad. I mean, have you ever felt like it's only okay to feel certain emotions? I feel like that's been a part of of my life. And I don't think I'm the only one probably who feels this way where you get praised and appreciated and complimented when you're happy because you're fun to be around then, right? But when you feel sad or down, people want to fix you. They want to tell you that it's okay, or they want to get to the source of the problem so they can resolve it for you so that you can go back to feeling better, darn it. As if better is happy, as if better means smiling, as if better requires an emotion that we would call positive. And so today's episode is our opportunity to embrace sorrow, not as something to shame, but as something to experience. It's our opportunity to tell ourselves we can stop trying to control our emotions with our mind because that is a losing battle and instead allow ourselves to approach ourselves with heartfelt compassion, whatever our emotion is, however extreme or intense it feels. It's our opportunity to allow ourselves to experience somatically in our bodies what we feel Because when we don't, one, it doesn't go away. And two, it just creates this larger sense of resistance, this gap, because there's the way we feel and the way we're trying to feel and they don't add up and it creates friction. And the bigger the gap, the more friction we create, the bigger the explosion when we finally give up the battle of trying to control what we cannot control. And so that's what today is all about. And so we're just going to dive right in. There'll be some stories probably woven in through, but I'm going to allow this to be an opportunity for you to really tap into how you feel and to let it be okay to feel that way. And I know there's a big push out there right now in the self-help world about feeling our feelings, but there's an undertone that I noticed to that. What I tend to feel like is being said under the radar is feel your feelings so that you can just get to feeling better again, because that's what we're after. That's what we want from you. The general world doesn't know how to respond to sadness. It's uncomfortable with it because it's been taught that it's not okay to be sad, that if you're sad, something's wrong. If you're happy, things are right. I was texting a a colleague of mine who I used to work with uh, because we haven't talked in a while. And I was saying, hey, I hope you're well, which is my own conditioning of you should be well. I hope you're well. And I was asking if they wanted to do like a Zoom call sometime. And I loved his response because what he said was, hey, I hope you're well. And if you're not, that's okay too. And when I read that, and even right now, as I remember it, my heart just swells with so much gratitude because it's saying it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Those are words I feel like I crave hearing. And maybe you do too. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay. I hope you're well. And if you're not, that's okay too. If we can. If we can own that, 
honor it, hold it as truth. Oh, the pressure that gets relieved. The release that it allows for. The gap of how we feel and how we're supposed to feel collapses in on itself because we don't have to feel a certain way anymore. We can just be where we're at. And that's okay too. And that's okay too. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's safe to express our emotions. And genuinely, we might not be in a place where it's well-received. So then we have a choice. Do we allow ourselves to feel how we feel, knowing there's going to be pushback, people putting their expectations on us of how we should be? That's one approach. Or we carve out some time where we can just be with ourselves or with loved ones, trusted companions and comrades who accept how we feel without trying to shape it or change it or make it different. Neither option is available. So you just feel into what one is correct for you in that moment. I've been in the workplace where I feel like crying. And I also feel like if I were to let myself just cry, I would lose all chance of being taken as a professional, as being taken seriously, as having an opportunity to lead a project because I cried. I can't control how I feel. Hello, why do we think we can control how we feel? However, what do I do in that moment? I bottle it up. I push it down because it's not safe in that workplace for me to express it. I've been in those places where I know, at least I think I know, that if I were to not hold it in, to just emote, it wouldn't go well. I would lose respect from coworkers. I would potentially be overlooked for future promotions and opportunities because I have no emotional regulation. And so in those moments, what I've done is hold it in. And I just want to acknowledge that it's not wrong to do that because our society is not accepting of emotions. We don't have to be the one that sees that there's there's an issue, so we must fix it. No. We can see that there's an issue in terms of the whole way society is viewing emotions, not make it our sole responsibility to fix and instead work within the system we have in order to help ourselves forward. And so often for me, that meant this workplace is not a safe place for me to express. And so I go and I find a place that is safe with my partner, with a friend, with my coach with myself. I don't require myself to have to express in the moment that I'm feeling it if I don't feel like I'm going to be held. And it's not that we need other people to hold us. It's that we don't want to have to feel like we have to hold them because we're having an emotion. 
And so I, I share this to say there is no one solution. The solution isn't this blanket statement of let's feel our emotions because we have them. It's let's do what feels correct for us in the moment. Some moments it feels safe for me to like that colleague who messaged me saying, I hope you're well. And if you're not, that's okay too. That feels safe. That's someone I could go to and share how I really am feeling. We're allowed to have a boundary of what we let other people see within us. And it doesn't make us weak or wrong or perpetuating what's happening in a bad way. Instead, we can find the openings, the path of least resistance, as Abraham Hicks would say, the path of least resistance for us to find and insert and find openings to expand upon to help ourselves to feel as we truly feel. And through this process of doing this for ourselves and exemplifying that as ourselves, authentically, genuinely, we create the opening and the space for others to do it too. Simple phrases like, hey, I hope you're well, and it's okay if you're not. If you're not, it's okay too. The other place I want to go with this today is a lot of coaching modalities out there talk about using your mind to control how you think to then in turn control how you feel. There are frameworks out there talking about how your thoughts create your feelings. And then they often cite research demonstrating that's the case. However, There's also research that talks about the gut and the power of the gut mind and the mind that's in the gut itself beyond this and the relationship between the gut and the brain mind and how those interact with one another. It doesn't mean that the mind's always the one pushing down the information. Sometimes it's the gut pushing up the information. Sometimes how we feel is what shapes how we think because the thought is not the origin source of every emotion that we experience. Yes, it might magnify and amplify the emotions, but who's to say that that's the origin? Even if you say, well, look, there's evidence, there's data, there's research showing it. We can only look at the data that we have based on what we know now and the technology we have now. As we become more fine-tuned and further advanced in science and technology, Who knows what the data will show us? Let's stop requiring there to be empirical evidence for things that could shift as our data shifts. Just like last week, we talked about how people used to think that the sun moved around the earth. That's what data would suggest. That's what observational empirical data suggests. You you see the sun move across the sky. And as science expanded, we realized it was the opposite. So let's stop trying to hang our hats on research based on the science of today when we don't know what the science of tomorrow will show us. And let's instead rely on our 
experiential evidence. And to do this, we really have to use ourself as our own authority. We can gain insight from others, but it comes back to what we say to ourselves and what feels right. Have you ever had a thought pop up that you couldn't control popping up? I'd like for you to not think about a pink elephant right now. Just don't think about a pink elephant. Whatever you do, as I continue talking, I don't want you to think about a pink elephant. If we think about this from a mental perspective, if we were to follow that instruction, that would mean, got it, chief. There's no pink elephant coming up in my thoughts. You wouldn't even think that thought because you wouldn't have access to it because you've told yourself you're not going to think about it. When I was younger, I really wanted a piano for Christmas. I wanted one so bad. I wanted it so bad. And so I don't remember when it was. I was a kid. So um, maybe it was a couple weeks before Christmas. Maybe it was a couple days. I don't remember. But we, I went into the, the room where the tree was. And there was this big blanket hanging around a section of the house. And my mom told me that I couldn't peek. That it was a gift that Santa dropped off early and I couldn't peek. And I just had to know, but I knew that I wasn't allowed to peek. And so I just kept asking, would you mind just telling me? I'm just so curious. Can you let me know? And finally, my mom or my dad, I can't remember who it was, told me it. They go, okay, it's Santa's sleigh. And so I felt a moment of relief in knowing what it was. And then I immediately felt this pressure that I self-induced, that I needed to forget that it was Santa's sleigh. Because I wasn't supposed to know. Santa wanted to surprise me. And so I remember going to bed at night being like, okay, there's something I need to forget. Oh, crap. What is it I need to forget? Oh, I need to forget that it's Santa's sleigh. Oh, shoot. I just remembered. Okay. Let's forget. Don't think about it. For multiple nights in a row, going through this till Christmas Day, and I, I still remembered it was Santa's sleigh, but Christmas Day, I go, and I'm now allowed to like pull down the sheet or the blanket, and guess what? It was a piano, and I was so excited. I was so excited because I got to be surprised and I was so excited because I really did want a piano. And this, this story just goes to show you, or at least me, no matter how much we want to will it, we can't force ourselves to not think of something. All we can do is put ourselves in different situations that help inspire different thoughts and then naturally our thinking shifts. Or we change our body makeup in some way and our thinking shifts. All we can do is find tools to help let go of the thoughts, not to stop them from arising in the first place. And so now I ask you, have you thought of a pink elephant at all as I've told this story? It'd be very fascinating to notice for yourself if you have or have not. Because 
we'd asked you to not think of it. Did you think of it at least once? Did it ever pop up or was it gone immediately? I say this as a simple example of what we cannot control. Inputs into the mind. The origin of thought is not our job to figure out, to control, to rule. This ties into our questions around emotions because if we realize controlling that is futile, it also means that if we're seeing those thoughts create the feelings, then controlling those, also futile. Also not our job. People don't like to hear this. Their egos, at least, don't like to hear this because their ego wants to believe that it has everything in order. And so when you tell your ego, sorry, you you can't like control what pops up in every moment. You can only control how you respond to it and what you make it mean about you and how you allow yourself to move through that thought or that feeling. The ego is upset, inflamed, angry. Bitter, maybe even a little resentful. How dare you tell me that? How dare you take away my ability to control life? How dare you make me feel helpless? Have you ever had an emotion just well up inside of you? Have you ever just woken up and been in a mood? Have you ever felt like There's just this emotional up and down pull. And yes, you could assign it to a situation. But does that mean that situation created it? And we're not saying that there's never a time that the mind is magnifying an emotion. But it isn't the sole creator the origin source. And if we think about the mind gut, so not this mind, but this mind down in the in the gut, the solar plexus area, those emotions, where do they come from? And what if we stop requiring ourselves to need to know the origin? Because as we look and science expands, who knows what we'll discover? It's nice to know where things start because it feels like then we have an idea of where it's headed. But if we focus so much on the origin of the feeling, we make it into a brain mental activity. It's our ego, again, trying to find control through analysis to figure out to solve the problem of the emotion. When the truth is we could just allow the emotion to be the sweater that we're wearing in that moment. I asked my soul about emotions once and it said, the soul wears sadness like a sweater. Just puts it on, takes it off. That's it. And if this is the case, it means we don't have to highlight certain emotions as better than another. All aspects of a spectrum, 
Like if you think about like electromagnetic waves, there's high vibration frequencies and low vibration frequencies. There's knowledge in all frequencies. Every note on the piano plays a part. You might have certain notes that you enjoy or that you're more comfortable playing, but every note, every key has an impact, has a quality, has an essence to it. We don't say this key's good, that key's bad. Oh, no, no, don't ever press the G keys. Those aren't the ones you want to press. Instead, you want to press C, B, D, and A. No, every key is playing its part. And yet here we are trying to sing the song of life, but skip over all the sadness keys. Skip over all the melancholy. What kind of song is that? I was at the gym the other day and they were blasting their music like way too loud, but it wasn't even a balanced sound. It was, you know, it was like, I don't know this. My husband was talking with me about it and that's how I agreed to it. But it was this blast of treble sound. So it wasn't a balanced composition of the music. It was this high treble. And you don't want to just hear the treble. You want the fullness, the richness, the complexity of the song. We don't want to just blast the treble. We just we don't want to just stay in this one side. We miss out on the depth of the opposition, the depth of the sadness. Sadness does not need to be shamed and does not need to be controlled and does not need to be understood. We can stop hyper-analyzing how we feel and let ourselves flow with the feeling. Just let ourselves experience it. And if you're not in a place where it feels safe to do so, Don't shame yourself for not wanting to express because guess what? You're probably feeling that way because in the past you've tried to feel and somebody's held you back for it. So instead, find a way, a path of least resistance somewhere, safe for you to express. Find your openings. And the more you allow yourself to embrace the fullness of being human, the highs and the lows and everything in between, without trying to understand or shame or analyze or judge, the freer you feel. So much of the coaching industry tries to tell us that freedom comes from controlling this. But the problem is this can't truly be controlled. Remember the pink elephant that you're not supposed to be thinking about? Yeah, so much of this cannot be controlled. So it's not freedom to try to control the uncontrollable, it's futile. It's not freedom to try to control the feelings as they flow. That's futile. Freedom is embracing the helplessness of not being able to control everything that pops into your being, whether mentally or emotionally. Freedom is not shaming yourself for having that. For allowing yourself to be like a screen. I'm getting this image of wind chimes. You have wind chimes hanging and they hang still when there's no wind, but when the wind comes, 
it blows and different notes are hit in different intensities depending on the, the wind itself. We don't ask ourselves, where did that wind come from? No, we listen to the quality of the sound and enjoy the tone, the music that's played from the wind chimes. We don't try to control the wind chimes. There'd be no point. That's not how wind chimes work. What if we let ourselves be like the wind chimes, the tool that the wind, the origin of feeling flows on through and we make notes and we don't make some notes better than others. We just experience it, experience the music. We don't try to own the music either. We don't try to become the music. We acknowledge the music is flowing because of the wind but we don't try to identify as the sound, a.k.a. as the feeling. When we take ourselves out of the equation and witness ourselves feeling the emotion, this isn't disassociation from a place of trying to avoid. It's separating who we are from who we are not. It's allowing us to enjoy experience how we feel. There's a difference between feeling the emotion and feeling the resistance of stopping yourself from feeling the emotion. That gets back to the gap we talked about earlier. The gap between how we feel and how we are showing our feelings or what we think we're supposed to feel. That's the resistance. And that creates this chaos in our bodies where our cells don't know how to respond because it's not accurate. They do those those stress tests with your body where they have you, like if you were to hold out your arms and have somebody push down on your arm as you say your name versus a name that's not yours, you will be so much stronger when you say your name because it's truth. The body is in congruence with the soul. And so you have a strength to you that you don't have when you say somebody else's name as if it were your own. And if we circle this back to the feeling part, that resistance, that gap is created when we think we're supposed to feel a certain way. And so we try to block that, the truth of how we feel, because we're trying to pretend or portray a certain experience. This doesn't mean you have to showcase your melancholy to the world. But perhaps you can stop hiding it from yourself. And perhaps from that place, you can use that to decide if you want to interact with the world or not. This is where I encourage my clients to see sick days also as mental well-being, mental health days. Because when we don't acknowledge ourselves and our emotional state, we push on through, our body gets sick. And so it'll become a sick day physically. So why not just acknowledge it earlier on in the process by being in congruence with ourselves and taking, I don't even want to call it a sick day because it almost implies that that there's emotions that are sick emotions and emotions that are healthy emotions. When what I'm trying to say is that what's healthy is however you actually feel. 
without trying to hyperanalyze it or understand it. Now, emotions do have wisdom. And you can ask yourself, is there any wisdom that I want to gain from this emotion? But don't try to have your ego force wisdom and have your ego try to create a story around the emotion to make it a pretty package. Truly listen. And maybe the answer is yes, the wisdom is this. Maybe the answer is no, just feel. And maybe perhaps the wisdom isn't for you to experience. Perhaps you are projecting the emotion, even just in your auric field, for others to be around and them experiencing your auric field with that emotion within it gives them wisdom. Maybe it's not your wisdom to gain. But let's allow ourselves the respect to honor emotional ups and downs without trying to mentally control them by putting them in a box of why they're there or emotionally contain them as if it's something to be ashamed of or afraid of. Let's grant ourselves the gift to hold this space for our expressions. I hope you're well. And then if you're not, that's okay too. Let's let ourselves own that, acknowledge that, find peace and ease within it because it removes the resistance. It honors the experience. It appreciates the expression, and it also acknowledges that no emotion is static. Those wind chimes are moving because of the wind, but the wind is never steady or constant or the same all the time. It's always shifting, which means whatever emotion you're in is shifting, is changing. And we can put ourselves in situations. We could say that allow the capacity for certain wind to be experienced. For instance, it was Halloween night. My mother and I decided to watch, what's it called? The grudge, the ring, the one that has the lady, the the girl or the woman with, with the long black hair that goes right in front of her face. I think it's called the grudge. Halloween night, we turn all the lights off, the trick-or-treating's done, and we get maybe halfway into the movie, and we are freaked out. We are so afraid, emotions, that we do not want to finish the movie, and we turn it off halfway through, which honestly is the worst thing you can do with any scary movie, I think, because then you have no conclusion. Anyways. And then we get back together the next morning, kind of bashful, and we decide we are strong, courageous women. We can finish this movie and we turn the movie back on and we are cracking up because in the daylight on November 1st, it's kind of hilarious movie. It's so silly. Like, like it's not real. (laughs) Anyways, there's something about the daylight after Halloween that made that same movie funny as opposed to scary. 
And I bring this up to say, we can create containers that allow for certain wind to be more likely to come through a, and then hit certain notes. Like the wind hits the fear note. Now wind's more likely to come October 31st in the dark watching a scary movie than November 1st in the daylight. And so that's allowing us to create containers in which certain emotional experiences may be more likely than others. And that's, I think, where people get confused and think that means they can mentally control how they feel because they're, they've decided, oh, on October 31st, I'm thinking differently about the movie than I am on November 1st in the morning. And those thoughts are changing how I feel, which is changing how I perceive the movie. But I feel like I'd like for you to check with yourself on this. Because I think what we're talking about is is the difference around influence and control. We can influence scenarios to help ourselves be more likely to feel a certain way, but we still aren't in control of the feeling. Have you ever just been sad? Have you ever just been happy? We often don't question it when we're just happy because we think that's how we're supposed to be. But perhaps we don't really have a reason to be happy certain times or sad certain times. And perhaps, yes, we can we can create containers to create the wind that creates the emotions we want to feel. But it doesn't mean we're always in control of the container. We can't control the wind. Anyone who's been sailing knows this. You can go on that water and you can move the sail. And you can catch the wind in different angles and and have certain pockets in which it's more likely you're going to go fast than slow, but you still can't control the wind. It could stop at any time. Even if you go on a certain time of day or certain season and certain lake and certain potential wind patterns, you still don't know. And so let's use this with ourselves to say, yes, we can set up situations in which We could influence our emotions, but it still doesn't mean we can control them. And this doesn't mean that we're saying like we should try to always feel happy and never feel sad. Have you ever wanted to watch like a a romantic drama? Isn't there a joy to the emotion? Like, okay, this might be sharing a little more than you really need to know about me, but I have been watching The Vampire Diaries for the second time through. And there is so much emotion that you could feel while watching The Vampire Diaries if you want to. There's happiness, there's laughter, there's frustration, there's sorrow. It really encapsulates a lot about what it is to be human, to have longing, to have desire, to have regrets, to want to be good in a world that feels like you need to be bad. Like there's so many, there's there's so much depth to this show. And sometimes I watch it as an outlet for me to feel. It, it's like me saying this, I'm creating the container to allow whatever feeling to come up. And sometimes I'll cry and sometimes I'll laugh. And it's the same with, with certain movies. You can watch the same movie over and over. And some days it'll make you laugh. And some days it'll make you 
wonder and some days it'll make you sad. And, and so if it's the same movie creating all these different experiences, what's different? Well, it's you that's different in that movement and also the world that's different. It's all of the circumstantial things that are also different. And so you experience things differently. If we try to understand the origin of it, we maybe can to a point. But if we're all here on this earth and we're all having experiences and talking to each other and seeing each other and being around each other for these experiences, in every moment we're a different, different person because of the different impacts we've taken in, the different lessons, the different situations that we've been a part of. And so we can never even just pinpoint to a single origin without taking into account the entirety of the world. That's a lot of data to process. That's more than this ego can handle. So let's stop focusing on the origin. Remove the shame. Realize the experience and the potential for what it can bring to us without making it have to bring a knowing, but instead to just be trusting that it's there doing its thing, serving its purpose. Even if we don't, we we don't even need to have, have a purpose other than that it's there. We don't ever question the garden. Like what's the purpose of that flower being there? No, we just appreciate the flower. Can't we do the same for ourselves and our emotions? Let's appreciate the garden of the, of the emotions even the melancholy ones, even the plants that grow in the shade. There's the line from Wednesday that says, the most interesting plants grow in the dark. Let's let the shade out a little bit. Let's embrace it. Let's appreciate the qualities of its potential without needing to know the whys or the whereabouts. This is true freedom, and it's exhilarating in its peace and ease. It doesn't mean you always feel emotionally at ease, but it does mean you get to stop feeling like you should be in control of the wind, which was never ours to try to control or manipulate in the first place. We can use it and we can learn from it. We can sail the sea with it. We can create energy with it, with our wind turbines or whatever, but we don't have to control it. We can appreciate it. All right. Thank you, everyone. I wish you all the best and the opportunity to be okay with however you feel, wherever you're at, without layering judgment, shame, or expectation on top of it. Thank you.